0: Put your, put, you put your clothes on in the morning a little different when it's victory Monday. 49ers finally got a win. Beat the Chicago Bears. We're going to get into all that and more. So keep it locked right here. It's the San Francisco 49ers morning show. Let's go. Intercepted. It is picked off by Eric Rocker. Over midfield. He'll run it. Pulled away
1: into the end zone. Touchdown. The
2: Crop Talk TV
0: podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, man, we're going to get into the 49ers. And this is QB Monday, our QB Monday. So Greg Pinelli will be joining us to talk about the performance of Jimmy Garoppolo and even uh, Justin Fields. Want to get into some of Justin Fields and what we saw from him. Uh, Obviously, if you haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Uh, Underdog Fantasy, this show is powered by underdog fantasy and I do want to say me I made some money yesterday about some I missed out on some Justin Jefferson not there. so there's a couple things that happened to me playing underdog fantasy all right and underdog fantasy for those of you who don't know it's an app obviously it's surrounded by fantasy football but they also have prop bets player uh things you can do over unders and uh jamar Chase made me miss out on two hundred dollars it was just a two dollar it was a ten dollar parlay I put in but two hundred dollars because he did not get over the over on five and a half uh, catches, and then Justin Jefferson. I had I put thirty dollars down on Justin Jefferson to hit uh, the over on his touchdowns, which was basically he just had to score one touchdown, and he did not get that, and that ended up costing me ninety bucks, or not costing me ninety bucks, but making me miss out on it. So, underdog fantasy. If you haven't already, make sure you guys download the app, and don't blame Chase. Blame yourself for taking the over. <laughs> I know my bad. My bad. Okay. It's not Chase's fault. It's on me because I took the over with Chase and um, I missed out on 90 bucks or excuse me, 200. All right. But if you haven't already, download the Underdog Fantasy app, promo code Crocky. All right. Do that right now. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers win. They go to three and four. The 49ers are actually, uh, they have the same amount of losses as the team in the 17th. So there are a lot of people that were, I don't want to say panicking, because definitely it was a time to panic for, and I was a two and four. That was not the expectations for this team, but the three and four, they have the same amount of losses as the team in seventh place, in the, uh, which is the last place uh, to head into the playoffs, the wild card round, right? right, seventh seed. So um, that's awesome. They're right there. They're right there in the thinking teams. They're right there in the mix of being a playoff team, and I get it. it, it it's the Chicago Bears. We're not looking at the Chicago Bears as a team that, is, uh you know, supposed to win a bunch of games or whatever the case is, but you had to win that game. 49ers are 3-1 on the road. I don't know what's up with that. All right. Uh, you had to win that. If you guys haven't already, obviously uh, my myself, my co-host, Brian Peacock, we had a rapid reaction show. So that is Locked On 49ers. Make sure you guys listen to Locked On 49ers. Go listen to that. Before you even listen to this, well, you're already here, so it's whatever. But Locked On 49ers, Locked On NFL Draft, you know, I'm the co-host of that as well. Uh, you guys go ahead and listen to those shows on the Locked On Network, all right? But again, back to the 49ers, and this is what we're going to be talking about until we get with Greg Pennelli, who will be on in 20 minutes. We got a 49ers win, uh, seven seed, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the the dynamic with Trey Lance and what that performance does uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward in, in the sense of holding off Trey Lance. Uh, Debo Samuel, obviously had an amazing day. He's second in the NFL in yards, only behind... Uh, Cooper Cup, who has played one more game than him. Tebow is on pace for 1,989 yards, I believe. So almost 2,000 receiving yards. Crazy pace. Eliza Mitchell runs for over 100 yards again. I want to talk about him and his performance because there were some things that kind of jumped out to me. And the defense and the DBs because the pass interference calls and stuff like that, that did not happen. Yet one holding call. All right, so we're going to get into all of that. Real quick, and I also want to get into it with you guys. So, because I have Greg Penelli coming on, we're going to start off by opening up this chat for you guys. So, if you have anything that you want to come on and say live, come on right now, man. The vibes are good. I see the flames coming in. I see four flames from Brett Brooks. We need five flames in this thing, man. Let's go. Good episode today from Croc for Locked On. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Listen to that Locked On episode, man. Let's go. Okay, here we go. Uh, Breaking news, Derrick Henry suffered a potential broken foot versus Indy. That's tough man for the big dog. He's been running so well. And that was a guy, Derrick Henry, talked about it a little bit late last night on the timeline. We had Rich Madrid, who said that the best three running backs in the league were, he named three running backs, none of them were Derrick Henry. And I get it. Derrick Henry, he's not my favorite type of back. He's just this big mover. You know, it's kind of a one cut guy. He has to get his lateral movement kind of sucks. But the, the production, man, I mean, he just produces, produces, produces to the point where it's like at some point I can't continue to kind of doubt him. Even if he's not my favorite type of guy, he's still running back. He still has to be one of the top running backs in the league. Like he has to be top three. Not my favorite. Not my favorite back. I don't care for the way he runs and moves and stuff. I like a little bit more dynamic and shiftiness with my running backs. But whatever it is he's doing, man. I mean, he's back-to-back rushing champion. Was probably well on his way to do it again this year. So uh, he 100% has to be a top three running back, and that's gonna they're gonna be tough for Tennessee because their whole offense runs through him. All right, but let's get to some 49ers, and I'll wait for I'll wait for my guy Greg Panelli, the quarterback guru, to come on and talk about. Uh, the quarterback situation with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, but let's talk about Debo Samuel and kind of what what he has done and what he means to this team, man. And and uh, uh, Kali Young, Kali Young, I, I appreciate. I, I know I'm butchering your first name, but Mister Young, man, I appreciate the contribution. Uh, biggest injury: Colin Murray might not play next week. That's big too. Uh, Debo Samuel, he goes off to the tune of what 156 yards or whatever he had had a big game early on. Debo had three drops, not three drops, two drops, and then one where in the end zone kind of went off his hand or whatever. Debo had two drops, and and this is my thing, and, and this will always be the case, and I look at this the same way with quarterbacks, Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Trey Lance, I think he's going to be in that category as well. If you are a playmaker, if you are a playmaker, I can live with, drops i can live with missed throws. terrell owens did not have the best hands right like to you know at times would lead the nfl in drops guess what i don't care do can lead the league in drops if he's going for 1600 yards and and making plays to where you win right so i look at debo samuel and he had two drops and i think i saw a stat he's leading the league in drops i don't care just like I talked about with the other quarterbacks, right? You got Patrick Mahomes, you got uh, uh, Josh Allen. If you just watch Mahomes, if you watch Josh Allen, and maybe don't watch this year's version of him because it's not too pretty, but they will miss throws. They will throw a ball at the feet. They will have these random misses, right? Like they're not just the most pure, accurate quarterbacks, but they make so many plays that I can live with the misfiring, right? Same with Trey Lance. Trey Lance, he will get there. Trey Lance, even in the games that we saw, I can live with him misfiring on the slant, throwing the slant five yards over somebody's head because I know Trey Lance is going to make plays, especially the more comfortable he gets. The the random misses will probably always be there, but he's going to make plays and he's going to win you games. Debo Samuel drops a couple passes. I can live with that. Debo makes plays. Third and 20. He takes a screen 83 yards. 83 yards. And it wasn't really like. I guess technically it was blocked up to have that big of a game, but it really wasn't. A lot of it had to do with his ability, catching the ball, uh, his um, just division, the acceleration. I don't know if you guys, if you go back and watch the acceleration from Debo Samuel on that screen, I mean, just hit the ground and just firing, like just shot through like a cannon, man. Like the dude is, is he, he has some terrific explosiveness. All right. So uh, Debo Samuel, Over 150-something yards. I put out a tweet today about how many yards he has on the season. All right, let me look at that right now. And he has, let's see, hold on, hold on, guys, hold on. Put out a tweet about his yards and where he stacks up. All right, so Debo Samuel is currently second in the field yards. Obviously, uh, Cooper Cup has uh, played one more game than him. But Debo is sitting at 119 yards in seven games. (laughs) Crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. All right, he's averaging 18.6 yards per catch, which is second, at least in the top, out of the top five guys to only um Jamar Chase, who's averaging 20.7 and actually went down cause he didn't have a great game last last game. But Debo Samuel, man, he, he's on this hist- historic pace. And I kind of tweeted out that he's on pace for uh, 1,989 yards or yeah. Calvin Johnson's record was 1,964. Obviously, Calvin Johnson did it in one last game. But Debo, man, he's balling. And it's crazy because I was talking about it. I was talking about it, man, on this channel. If you guys have been watching for a while, especially in the offseason, uh, talked about how Debo, you know, that was a guy, fantasy. And I got a lot of pushback on that. I got a lot of pushback on that. But I was like, that's the guy, fantasy, man. I mean, Debo Samuel, man, I can live with some of the drops. Dude's a playmaker. He's phenomenal. Is he just this pure wide receiver one in the sense of how I think we are supposed to, uh, how we've been told to view a wide receiver one. Maybe he's not that, but that don't matter. Dude's special. He is special. All right. He's a special talent. Uh, he has special ability and we're seeing that and we're seeing that we're seeing him put down this display. Now, one thing that I didn't even put in, make note of is Debo did his thing and he bought out and all that good stuff. But Along with Debo Samuel, we had a uh, Ayuk look coming out party a little bit. And again, I mean, we're, we for this to be a coming out party for Brandon Ayuk, that kind of shows like how far our kind of standards for Ayuk has kind of dropped. But it was good to see Ayuk start to look like Ayuk. Now there's still some plays where I'm looking like oh, if you're going to be the guy, you got to make that play, right? So he had that uh, slant in the end zone, and he wasn't able to kind of create the separation to get the touchdown. But then he came back on that one two point conversion where he just murdered the guy out of the uh, four spot. I think they went quads to the right. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, man, uh, it was good to see him involved. It was good to see them target him right away um, down the left sideline. That was really good to see. Uh, you know, it was good to see Jimmy Garoppolo push the ball push the ball down the field. It was good to see him push it down the field early on the deep shot on the slot fade to Brandon Ayuk and also on the 50-yard play to Debo Samuel. And let's talk about that play a little bit because uh, there are a couple of different things there. One, everybody talks about the 49ers needing a big play receiver and stuff like that, and, I'm, and I've been telling people Debo Samuel is that guy. He has not had the opportunity to catch the ball down the field for whatever reason. Uh, Kyle hasn't been the guy to just throw the ball down the field to Debo. He should, and he should do it more often because more times than not, when he's put Debo in that position, he's come down with the play. Whether it was that one weird fourth and two play against the uh, uh, against the Baltimore Ravens 2019, where he just Debo guys for the b- ball, uh, bullied the guys, and, and caught the ball, scored a touchdown fourth and two, the Baltimore Ravens 2019. Uh, the play against the Lions, the, the play that we just saw. like When you throw the ball downfield the Debo, it seems like good things happen. And I don't understand why the 49ers don't utilize that more. Doesn't make sense to me. All right. So um that was terrific. There were a couple things I noticed, and I was like, I'm I'm curious to understand kind of the thought process of Jimmy Garoppolo. I saw some tweets where people are like people say, Oh, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo can throw the deep ball. I thought Jimmy can't throw the deep ball. No, Jimmy can throw a deep ball. He typically does not throw the deep ball well. He clearly has the ability to throw the deep ball. I think all NFL quarterbacks have the ability to throw the deep ball. A lot of throwing the deep ball, and we'll talk about this with my guy Greg Pinelli when he comes on in 10 minutes, but I think a lot of it has to do with just how confident are you, right? How confident are you in throwing the ball downfield and just letting it rip? And I think that's where Jimmy had kind of lacked. But a couple of things went uh, to his – we're working in his advantage there. One, I feel like as in, now he can kind of let it rip a little bit more. You know that, that young rookie guy is kind of trailing you right now. And, Trey Lance. and also, yeah, time kind of running down in the half. So there, there wasn't that uh I have to be perfect right now. I can just kind of throw it out there. And I, and I think that yeah, he should play play like that more, right? Time was running down. Didn't have timeouts, all that type of stuff, right? So it's like, let me just see what happens. Do that more. Throw it downfield. Let's see what happens a little bit more. And I think especially if you do it to uh, Debo Samuel, given those opportunities, even to Brandon Ayuk, I, I think he's coming along. Mohamed Sanu, that was terrific, but give you guys more opportunities, and I think they'll they'll come through for them. But Debo Samuel, kind of talk about him and, and what he's done, man. And, again, I don't care about the drops, right? Same with, Like I said with the quarterbacks, I don't care if you miss passes, if you make plays. If you're not a quarterback that makes plays, you can't miss passes. Debo Samuel is a guy who makes plays, so if he drops a couple passes here and there, whatever, because I know he's going to do something special when he touches the rock. All right? Uh, Elijah Mitchell. I want to touch on him before we get to Greg Pennelli. again. Greg Penelli, he'll be coming on in uh, 10 minutes. But uh, Elijah Mitchell had a big game, ran for 130 something yards. I will say this, and hold on, I got to, I got to, it's about time. Gosh, and let Debo go deep because he did that in South Carolina with the kickoff returns. his explosive. Yes, big desk. Yes, yes, yes. Give Debo his opportunities downfield, give him the opportunities. And he will come through for you. He will. He just needs the opportunity. And whether it's Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever. Jimmy said that he just does what Kyle Shanahan asked him to do. Jimmy Garoppolo also said Kyle Shanahan dialed up a great game plan. And maybe that has something to do with throwing the ball down the field. So uh, clearly that was maybe a focal point of the 49ers. And heading into halftime, it was a little sluggish. You know, the 49ers had nine points or six points, excuse me, six points, right? Did They have well, before that last drive when you had the big throw, what did they have six points, nine points. Uh, but it was good to see them, um, kind of air it out right before the half, give their playmaker a chance, man. I agree, big jazz I agree, but Elijah Mitchell, he had, and I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me, but big game ran for what, well, 130 something yards, had a terrific uh yards per carry, I believe. It, so we had nine, all right. I believe, um, Elijah Mitchell averaged around seven yards per carry. I don't have the stats in front of me because stats is it's not the full story of how somebody plays to me so I don't really like focus on the stats but uh Elijah mitchell he ran well and I think if you if you look at the numbers you will say this was that was a great that was a great game from Elijah mitchell I actually think that Elijah mitchell left a lot of yards on the field now there's been this big thing about Elijah mitchell and his vision and again I, I talked about this play that people pointed out before where they were like oh, man, Elijah Mitchell, like, oh, yeah, poor vision. Like, look how he missed this. And it's like, Brett, what are you talking about? This play is not – that wasn't a lack of vision right there uh, on that play. It was it was the play against uh, Indianapolis Colts. that kind of went viral – not viral, but, you know, traveled around 49ers uh, Twitter. And, um, you know, he had he – had came off that left side. It was blocked up, and a lot of people thought he should have went – continued to go straight as opposed to cutting back, trying to cross up the uh, safety. I thought he did the right thing. Um, he made the safety miss. He just had number 91 from behind him hustling. All right. His vision on that play was terrific. I don't know what he's coached up to do. Now, this is the tough thing when you're somebody like me that's just sitting uh back and I'm just watching it on TV. I thought that even though the stats won't show it, I thought Khalil Hubbard, the running back for the Herbert, the running back for the Bears, I thought he ran better than Elijah Mitchell more consistently. Right? I thought he ran better all right uh I thought herbert's vision for really finding the cutback lanes and everything and I thought he was getting downhill finding that lane getting upfield I thought he did a better job of that than Elijah Mitchell Elijah Mitchell and I saw somebody just say in the chat sometimes the you know you you run into the back of uh he runs into the back of of guys and I I agree I think sometimes he is like I see like that lane and and I think the tough thing is, I don't know if they're telling him, don't worry about a cutback lane, just hit the hole, get upfield, or just one step, cut, and get there, even if there's blockers there, and there will be times where it doesn't work, don't worry, I'm trying to set something up, there'll be times when it does work, I don't know if that's what they're telling him, but just watching it, I thought that there were definitely yards that he left on the field, at least 30 more yards, at least 30 more yards, that he left on the field, just from the... I don't I don't want to question his vision, all right? I don't want because I'm not a running back, but I'm just looking and I'm in, and I'm seeing how Elijah Mitchell was consistently running as opposed to Herbert. And I thought Herbert did a better job of really kind of fighting those cutback lanes and filtering through, even though the numbers don't necessarily back that up, right? Herbert had he was averaging under four yards of carry, Mitchell averaged over six yards of carry. So the numbers don't back up my theory, but just watching it. I thought there were areas where sorry like, ah I think I think he missed the cutback lane there. I think he missed that. I think he could have hit that right there. You know, oh, he just ran into the back of guys. So um there he says uh well he created yards with his vision as well. I yes, okay, let's talk about that. And I'm not I'm not saying that Elijah is not a good running back. I think he's been terrific and I think he's clearly 49ers RB1. Kyle thinks so, and he's running like he is. All right. um, I think he did a really good job with his creating the – his vision, filtering through and understanding how to set up his blocks on those big runs. I think he did a terrific job there. What I'm saying is on a, on a consistent basis, right, because he has plays where he does it extremely well. On a consistent basis, I think that uh, – yeah, okay, so here we go. His open, his open field vision and choices are great. That's how Mitchell picks up, picks up his yards. Yes, I think there are times where I'm watching him and I'm just like, I think you missed that right there. Like, you you missed that. And, and maybe I'm nitpicking. Maybe I'm nitpicking, but I've noticed it. This is something I've noticed kind of consistently with Elijah Mitchell. I think when, the, when it's blocked up well and the yards are there to be had and he could just use his athletic ability, he does that at a very high level. Uh, you know, if it's blocked up where he can put his foot in the ground and cut up field and he sees it right now, he's going to run through arm tackles. I think he does a really good job of being elusive and making guys miss, kind of getting skinny. He does a good job within that. I do think sometimes, again, when when, when it's not as clear and maybe he has to kind of create, the the cutback line is there, but he has to kind of see it before. I think that's where he he can improve but obviously he's doing extremely well i think he's breaking some records with 49ers uh with how they are uh with the running backs and some of the things he's done like 300 yard r- rushing games or whatever in his first however many games back to back 100 and something yard games i think he's doing a really good, good really good job with that i'm i'm really impressed with how he's running i just i do think that he's leaving a little bit of yards on the field uh bell Change our perception with waiting to let stuff develop. Yes, I I will say the difference is uh, Le'Veon was in more of a power scheme and not a zone one cut scheme. So Le'Veon was able to be a little bit more patient with how he ran uh, as opposed to maybe what the 49ers want. And maybe that's why we see him uh, sometimes just run into the back of guys and only get... A yard or two when i feel like it was kind of there was a cutback lane there to where he could have got much more all right um and then last thing i want to touch on before we get my guy on is the defense obviously this is the 49 we're talking about the 49ers win they had a victory over chicago it's qb monday so my guy greg Panelli will be coming on to join us make sure you have not already like subscribe all that good stuff all right uh the defense I a little bit on the ground. You had uh, let's talk about that play from talk about that play in the game. When I come on here, I I don't come on here say I'm right. I'm uh, you guys are wrong or anything like that. A lot of it's just to give my perspective on things. And Justin Fields had 100 yards, and that's tough. I think obviously the 49ers did a poor job of containing him. I think in previous games they've done well with you know containing you know Carson Wentz on the ground for the most part. Uh Kyle Murray, they did a great job. Russell Wilson, outside that one scamper for a touchdown <laughs> when Ken Law was uh, chasing them, they did a terrific job outside that one play of containing Russell Wilson. But um they did not contain Justin Fields well, and obviously he had that one play where he made everybody look stupid, right? He made everybody look stupid. And my initial reaction to that, my initial reaction to that was. Everybody said, uh, Armstead, Armstead, Armstead should have made that tackle. Armstead should have made that tackle. And yes, Armstead could have made that tackle. But sometimes special players do special things. Just like Debo Samuel, I'm sure there were guys that were in position to potentially tackle Debo Samuel on his 83-yard gain off of a screen pass where he blew by guys. I'm pretty sure you can look and be like, oh, man, this guy. But guess what? Debo is going to do things like that because Debo is special. All right. Debo's going to do certain things like that because he's special. Debo catches the big ball for a post, right? The post, uh, big play. You know, and he catches the ball and it's like, oh man, like the DB, if he just does this, he could have broke the ball up. And maybe, but Debo's going to come down with that sometime because he's just special. So I look at Justin Fields and that big play he made on that touchdown and it's like, Justin Fields is special. He is a special talent. So we can say, 49ers defense is sucks, it sucks, it's trash, even though know, the defense has been pretty good all year. Uh, you know, they've been pretty good at containing running quarterbacks all year. Oh, Armstead, you know, could have made that, yeah, Armstead possibly could have made that tackle. But sometimes, when a player is special, sometimes he just does special things, even if. And I see, uh, someone say Armstead isn't special, I think Armstead's a, a pretty special athlete for the most part, but sometimes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> sometimes a player is more special than you on that play, and that's what Justin Fields is. We can say this guy could should have did this, and, and, and that guy could have did that, and, oh, my gosh, how'd they let him do this? I, I get it. Yes. You're looking at it from the 49ers' perspective? Yes. But sometimes when a guy is just a special athlete, sometimes he just does special things. And on that play, Justin Fields, Justin Fields is – the second or third most athletic quarterback in the league, and he's probably – I'd say Justin Fields is more athletic. Justin Fields is more athletic than anybody on that field yesterday, or on the defense, really, I think, in the entire game. Maybe uh, Mooney might have more athletic ability or whatever, but Justin Fields might be the most athletic player that was on the, in that game yesterday. So the fact that on at oh, one point he made everybody look kind of stupid, you know, like it that some things like that sometimes is gonna happen, you know. Especially when you have a guy like that that's slippery, as athletic, explosive, and you know you have a uh, Eric Armstead who, like I see somebody say, he's you know he's a three four DN. Uh, he, no, no. Okay, so I don't agree with this. All right, let's talk about Eric Armstead for a second. Armstead's a three four defensive end playing four three DN or a three tech. He will always be out of position with us. No, I don't agree. All right, and this is why I don't agree. Yes, I agree that, in theory, Armstead is a 3-4 defensive end. But he plays 4-3 defensive end and base for the 49ers, but then also slides inside, right? 3-tech, he's fine there. But sometimes he will be on the edge. Uh, I, I learned this, and I talked about it a little bit. I learned it listening to a PFF podcast, randomly listening to a podcast. And the guy said that defenses who want to play more too high, right, to kind of eliminate those deep crosses and things that Kyle Shanahan has implemented in his, in his concept, teams are playing more too high. And when you play more too high, that takes a guy out the box. All right. So if you want to be a little bit more stout on the, on the edge, you get bigger on the end. So when you see a team like the 49ers playing Eric Armstead at four, three end on early downs, it's because they want to be bigger on that end to contain the edge. So if you look at the first play, of the game, right? I think it was the first play for the uh, for the Chicago Bears, and it got blown up on that left side of the line. I I I I'm not sure, but I I I'll almost guarantee if you look at it, we'll see if the 49ers were in it too high, and if they had Armstead blow up that whole side. That's why Armstead plays uh, four three in to start off the drive. I got my guy Greg Pinelli joining us. Before I bring him on, I'm gonna say one more thing. Um, I want to touch on the defense. I thought, obviously, I didn't. I've I've been very positive about the game plan of D'Amico Ryan. All right. Uh, I think D'Amico Ryan's game plans have been have been good. Uh, in the sense of what he was trying to do, I thought this was the first time where I'm like, ah, I don't necessarily care for the game plan. Now, again, I do think that some of this had to do with um who they were going up against and I think the 49ers possibly thought that they could just attack the bears front with a with a uh with a four man pass rush and because the the offensive line had been kind of you know hurt with you know injuries or whatever it was but I think they just thought you know what uh we could just dominate them up front so we're just going to drop guys in the coverage. I think the 49ers pass rush wasn't getting there quite as much as they would like and I think if you would ask him again, if you ask D'Amico Ryan again, he probably would want to apply more pressure. But I don't think that was a game plan. And clearly it didn't work out. I don't think he got the pass rush he thought. All right. Um, Let's see, let's see, let's see if anything's going on in the chat real quick. Yeah, D'Amico, I I didn't think it was his best game plan. You need to go outside. One second, y'all. I got to let this dog out. Yeah, D'Amico, D'Amico didn't have his best game plan. I, I I thought every other game plan in theory of how he felt like he wanted to come out and hit a team in the mouth, I thought it worked every time up until that game. That that was that was a tough one. That was a tough one. All right, here we go. Here we go. Real quick, we're going to go to break. When we come back from break, we will have my guy Greg Pinelli on, and we will answer all your questions and touch on everything pertaining to the quarterback position. Oh, last thing, real quick. I didn't even get to it. I started talking about the defense, the game plan, things like that. I didn't care for the way that D'Amico Ryans came out. But the defensive backs, I believe there was one penalty. All right. And this is my issue. This is my issue with the penalties that everybody complains about. And we're seeing it around the league. And if you look at some of my retweets, I'm retweeting some of the things that other guys are saying about this thing. Penalties, pass interference is not an issue. It's not just an issue with the 49ers. Yes, the 49ers have more. Yes, the 49ers are leading. but just with how it's being called and the inconsistencies of the pass interference uh, penalty, how they're seeing fit or whatever. And from game to game, it is something that is plaguing all defenses for the most part. And when you look at the 49ers yesterday who had one penalty on them on the back end, which was a holding, and it was clearly a holding by Josh Norman, but it was the only thing. That's why I'm that's why I say like, I'm not gonna say a defense is playing bad because they get pass interference calls because the call is so inconsistent. And there were times where I recorded things. It's in college football. It's in it's in the NFL. The 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 pass interference. It's so in It's so inconsistent that I can't. And they're bailing offenses out. And it's not just a 49ers game. I just retweeted something uh, last night. Let me. Re, uh, where's this tweet at? Here we go. Um, Someone said, DBs will celebrate anything, and it was an incomplete pass, right? But the receiver was pretty much open. The ball was kind of overthrown, and the defensive back waved his hand. And my guy, Chad, Chad Wilson, said, as we should. He was a former defensive back. His son, Marco Wilson, and also Quincy Wilson, um, they both play in the NFL. But he said, as we should, any pass thrown without a pass interference call is grounds for celebration. All right? I'm going to repeat that. Someone said, DBs will celebrate anything. And it was an incomplete pass on an overthrown ball in the Vikings-Cowboys game. And Chad Wilson says, as we should, any pass thrown without a pass interference call is grounds for celebration. And what he's saying is, we are looking at this as a plague of the 49ers, which it's, it's hurting the NFL with how it's being called. So, I will never, you guys will never hear me say that the 49ers are bad because they're getting pass interference calls. I think it's something that's an issue around the league, all right? It's an issue. Around the league. Let me set up my. I didn't set up my. uh To get the most people in here as possible. I appreciate everybody in here. If you haven't already. Make sure you guys like. Make sure you guys subscribe. Alright. I forgot to set my. Tags. Uh, uh. All right, Now my tags all set up. Me, and my guy Greg Penelli's on. He's ready to go. He got his Penelli Passing Academy hat with the flags and all that type of stuff. Drake London out for the season. Oh no, that's terrible. Which I thought that would happen, but um, got a lot of people in here. I think they're arguing about the the. I got a lot of people arguing about Mac Jones and things. So we're gonna get Greg's Pennelli, Greg Penelli, Greg Penelli's uh, perspective on that as well when we come. back we got my guy greg Pinelli. all right for qb monday and we're on here to talk all things quarterback position you see when he comes on we change the layover and everything man we get it going all right 49ers win jimmy garoppolo has a big game looking at the statistics justin fields has yeah. some, he did some really cool things and mac jones mac jones got a win against uh against the chargers so before we get into the 49ers thing i see the chat going crazy about mac jones right now i mean they're some people are saying that he's a game manager. Some people are saying that he's a steal at three. Some people are saying that Fortnite is stupid to pass on him. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts just on – th- what were your thoughts on Mac Jones heading into? First of all, let, let me ask you this question. Where did you have Mac Jones ranked? Now, again, for those of you who are new to the channel, and again, if you're new, make sure you guys like, make sure you guys subscribe if you're just now finding this. Uh, Greg Pennelli trains quarterbacks um, all throughout California – uh, the best training uh, quarterback trainer I know, and I'm not just saying that because I played with him at Modesto Junior College. Are, uh, you know, trains NFL guys. You see him with the Josh Allen jersey on in the in the uh, in the little picture over there, wherever it's at. Uh, he trained Josh Allen and other NFL guys. Where did you? I I talked to you a little bit about quarterbacks in the offseason. Where'd you have Mac Jones? Yeah. right?
2: <clears throat> I I think looking back, we had well, I had him. Four after four. Trey Lance, I think so, if I remember correctly. So, I had obviously uh, I said Trevor Lawrence 1A, 1B with Wilson, um, it was Zach Wilson, and then I put Trey Lance in there at two, but realistically, four out of all of them.
0: Okay, yeah. So, what what are you, what were your thoughts just on what, when you if, if I were to say give a scouting report on Mac Jones, what was kind of your scouting report on him coming out?
2: I think, you know, I think that he was more – I think he was more impressive than a lot of people gave him credit for because I think people like to give him that game (laughs) – the game manager – you know, I guess tag coming out, and and it's gonna happen with Alabama. When you got the freak athletes that you get to throw to every every play, and you got every five star in the country that's going there, it's like just manage it and don't screw it up type of thing. And that's kind of what we've seen out of Alabama quarterbacks. Because look at the history of Alabama quarterbacks: do great in college, go to the NFL. You don't hear about them after the first couple of years of the NFL, right, or after the first year, whatever it may be, and so. Some of those guys have been put in good positions. Um, I think it's funny that, uh, or I think it's ironic that you look at Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, and they—I don't know if you remember that HBO special—it was like the Art of Coaching or whatever that coaching show was—how that showed Saban and Belichick are good buddies. So most of those Alabama quarterbacks haven't necessarily gone to a team that was established or hasn't haven't not necessarily played on a team with outstanding coaching from an NFL perspective, right? Right. And now you put Mac Jones on the Patriots with a team that went and got a ton of talent in the offseason and spent a lot of money in the offseason to bring talent there. Uh, And you throw him into the mix with solid coaching, and you kind of see what he's doing now. So also, a lot of people say game manager. Like, There's the pictures online of him being like the – the out of shape like bigger type of quarterback or whatever maybe I guess kind of looking like myself. I was probably myself back in the day. That's how I looked. But you know now he, now he you're not... like
0: this just sexy hunk, right? Now <laughs> you, you got abs and stuff. You take you're posting pictures on Instagram with your shirt off and stuff. I'm like man, no, who is
2: this guy? Man. Hey that was all for the facility right there. That was that was yeah. for the for the facility and the classes. I'll do it for yours one day. All right croc all
0: right um, yeah.
2: But <laughs> You know, he he got that stigma that um,
0: somebody said he has pepperoni nipples. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. I'm not know. even
2: touching base. That's way out of that. You're gonna have to bring somebody else for that conversation. I'm not even going <laughs> into that one. But um, he doesn't he doesn't look like the the twitchy, uh, super athletic type of quarterback. And typically, when that happens, the in the day and age we're we're in when you don't get the NFL or like when you don't get that twitchy-looking dude or the guy that's going to be running all the time, the the mobile type of quarterback, it, they usually get tagged as like a game manager, right, because they don't make as many plays with their legs. Now, I think arm talent-wise, um, and I remember you talking about it when we started throwing the deep ball. Um, you know, you had said that he, he could throw the deep ball. It wasn't bad, but he, he could throw the deep ball, and I, I don't think a lot of people gave him credit for it. So I gave again, him credit
0: for it, but a lot of people didn't. You what you say? Because everybody thinks no. I hate Mac Jones.
2: No, <laughs> I remember you giving giving him credit for it because there again, it was like almost like the Jimmy Garoppolo, especially from a Niners perspective. I think uh, from some of the fans that it was like, okay, if we're gonna go get Mac Jones, you're gonna get another Jimmy Garoppolo. You're just gonna get another game manager. And um, I, I do. I think he can throw the deep ball. I think that he's got a little bit more pop on the ball than Jimmy. Um, but it's a very similar style of play. Now, again, look at where Jimmy came from. Jimmy came from the Patriots. He was groomed in the Patriots' offense. So it's probably going to look a little bit similar, um, especially in the NFL. But, you know, on, overall.
0: Just to kind of touch on on you saying that it, it, it could possibly look similar. And just because it looks similar, and I, I, this is for the people out there watching, just because Mac Jones may look similar to Jimmy Garoppolo or have a similar skill set does not mean that, Mac Jones can't or isn't a better version of Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Or Kirk right, Cousins, who kind of gets gets lumped into that whole thing. But go ahead.
2: But yeah, and I will say, you know, obviously that was a big win. Getting the Chargers is a big win. Defenses are the defense created, you know, some some havoc for uh, Herbert. You know, I I know they got a couple key interceptions, obviously a couple key turnovers. One pick six
0: at the end of the game. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. So. Um, they're ready to rock and roll. And I still think, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're in the overreaction. um, Not the overreaction era, but we're in the overreaction. Like everybody's loves to overreact about everything. And, um, you know, I think that with what Mac Jones is doing, I I wouldn't say, okay, he's going to be the guy he's, he's going to be the next Tom Brady there in, uh, in, in Boston, but, You know, I don't – I think that what he's bringing right now with the offense given, it's perfect for them because you would want a quarterback right now to be a game manager at at the age he's at and the level he's at being a rookie in the NFL because you go on the flip side where it's – it seems to be the rookies that come out are like, you're look at Zach Wilson, look at Trevor Lawrence, you got to be the saving grace. You don't get the opportunity to be the game manager because you got to make all these damn plays because the rest of the team is trash. And right. so, sorry to the Jets, sorry to the, to the Jaguars, but it's just the truth. And so, it's good for the quarterback development, I think, when you're in a position again like um, Mac Jones or a guy like. Trey Lance, where there's talent around you, and it's basically operate with the talent around you and just try and eliminate the screw-ups, and everybody else will kind of take care of themselves, and the coaches will put you in a good position to succeed, and I think that's what we're seeing right now, and I think he's doing well with that. Obviously, going into next year and the year after, I'm not going to jump too far ahead, but that's when I think the more of the playbook again will be thrown at him and we'll get to see him let loose a little bit more. But for what he's given right now, I think he's doing a pretty good job. Um whether it's a game manager or not. I think you know, I don't I I don't think you can knock him for being a game manager eight weeks into the season as a rookie quarterback in the NFL.
0: Especially when the other guys uh aren't managing games necessarily well right. for different reasons, right. like you said, right? So when you yeah. look at that, and I've seen some people say You know, he looks the best. Can you talk about that? Where there are a lot of people saying, well, Mac Jones looks the best out of all the rookies. What would be kind of your your response to that as far as what you're expecting from him and other guys and their situations?
2: I think Mac Jones, again, it's hard to compare because Mac Jones looks the best out of all the rookies. On the flip side, I think Mac Jones is on the best team out of all the rookie quarterbacks. Now, I'm not saying that about Trey Lance. I'm talking about the current guys that are starting week to week right now or playing week to week right now. I think Mac Jones got placed on the best team out of all those guys, obviously removing Trey Lance. I think the Niners have the potential, obviously, or the Niners are a good team. When everybody's healthy and when things are going right, you know, there's no doubt. But I think with the other dudes compared to Mac Jones, I think that Mac Jones got into the best situation um, because – you know, the, even though the Patriots didn't do the hottest last year with uh, Cam Newton, the team was still, um, you know, pretty well put together. But then this offseason, they went and got a ton of talent, like we mentioned, and, and spent a lot of money to get some dudes out there. So I think that overall, with the coaching, the play calling, et cetera, that Mac Jones is, is in a really good spot. To succeed right now, and there's not as much pressure, like I said, as a Justin Fields, where the Bears have struggled a little bit, or the Jets, or the Jaguars, that just are like riding the the shoulders of their quarterbacks, or the rookie quarterbacks that have been there for you know seven games or eight games now.
0: All right, real quick, we got a contribution from our guard uh, Gabriel. Uh, Kyle, theory is not all experience is good experience, really. Kyle, Justin Fields is getting better each week. That TD run was nice. Fields and Lance will be the best QBs out of this class. Uh, what he's – and appreciate the contribution. What he's kind of talking about is Kyle Shanahan came out and basically was like, I don't want to throw a guy out there just to throw a guy out there. You know, if I don't – basically, he doesn't want to potentially ruin the guy. He doesn't think that throwing them out there just because is good because, oh, well, he's getting experience. He's learning. He's taking his lumps. It's like Kyle's thinking like, well – we don't have to do that with him, and I don't think that is necessary. It can be good, but it doesn't mean that it's good. What are kind of your thoughts on that?
2: No, and I, I have agreed with it. You know, we've talked about that, and we've talked about multiple guys saying that. I agree with that. I don't think that if you've got a guy, obviously, like Jimmy, that's capable, that can lead the team. That can put points on the board, that can lead that offense, and has been obviously that offense, and knows what you guys, everybody knows what you we're getting with that offense, and has seen a team go to the Super Bowl with Jimmy leading him. But yeah, I don't think you need to. I I didn't want him to rush Trey Lance again. The kid is still young. He played 17 games in college, right? So he's still young in the football world to go throw him into the NFL in the first eight weeks. Now, obviously, we've seen package still, We saw the the Arizona Cardinals stuff the Arizona Cardinals game, and now you got Jimmy Healthy again. But I would still – I wouldn't mind the package stuff just to get him experienced. But also, I still don't think that um, you need to throw him into the fire because, yeah, you could hurt somebody's development. You could ruin maybe their confidence or, um, you know, I I think that you got to do enough to get him prepared and I think Kyle will do that given the fact that Kyle's done pretty well with quarterbacks or rookie quarterbacks, going back to, obviously, um, Washington. But when you're getting what you got yesterday from Jimmy G right there, and we'll touch, obviously, on that, um, I don't think you need to rush Trey Lance into there or throwing him into the fire, um, especially when the team around him is not completely healthy.
0: All right, real quick. We'll, we'll get into more of the, uh, you know, your thoughts on the game yesterday, but we have a question here that I want you to ask. I think I saw some people talking about it. Uh, can you ask Greg, when does arm strength peak? At what age? Essentially what he's asking is, can you continuously improve your arm strength or is it something where it kind of is what it is? I would say that I don't know when it peaks, but I know the arm strength I see from Trey Lance, what he was at 19 years old, as opposed to Trey Lance at 21, I feel like his arm has gotten a lot stronger. Uh, What do you think, you know, when it comes to arm strength? And is it something like speed? Because I know with me, I wasn't like – I wasn't the fastest kid when I was, you know, younger in high school. I gradually got faster. And then, you know, getting to the NFL, like, I was fast enough. But I was never, like, a blazer. But I just kind of gradually each way kind of got a little bit faster. Is arm strength something like that where – you do see some kids that start off with just big arms, and their arm is just bigger than other guys, and they're just able to continually uh, kind of improve on that?
2: Yeah, I think you can. I mean, if you if you look at a guy like yourself, Croc, where your arm strength probably peaked when you were 12 or 13, and it stayed the same since then.
0: <laughs> you see I got a big arm, man. Stop playing with me, man. Don't make me have to go out there and throw no. 60 yards in the air again. But go ahead.
2: No, I messed it. Uh, you know, it, it is. It's, it's funny. And I'll use, I, I'll use myself as an example, right? So because I do, I obviously I train quarterbacks from a young age to the NFL guys. And and you see kids around, you know, sophomores or juniors in high school where you think they got a pretty good arm, right? And they continue to work at it and continue to build the smaller, smaller muscles around the shoulders and continue to get their feet right. Um, because obviously a lot of it isn't just arm talent. Like if you have an arm we we get it right like and the arm isn't necessarily everything a lot of it starts at your feet and we use i've used josh as a prime example where huge arm always tried to use his arm um the first or in college in the first year in the nfl and then he figured out his feet and then the arm looks even more lively because he's utilizing his feet right but he's becoming more accurate in doing so um but as far as just the arm talent You know, I remember when I graduated high school, I was 17 years old when I graduated. Going into my second year of JC, I felt like my arm was as strong as it's ever been. Um, And that was two years there after high school. So I was, you know, 1920 going to Eastern Washington. Um, I felt really good with the arm. Um, And then, you know, even now where I throw the ball all the time, I I don't I don't throw it obviously, or I didn't throw it for a couple of years. Um, but I feel like I can still chuck it, but I definitely feel like my arm was way more lively when I was 21, 22 um, as compared to now. But for a guy who's doing it for a living, I think that it, it would it would peak around, you know 22, 23, 24, something like that, obviously. Um, with those guys that are doing like Mahomes and Josh, they, they, I would say that those guys are at their peak as far as arm talent goes. Um, but another thing is <clears throat> a lot of times you'll see guys in the NFL, especially with big arms, they'll use their arm talent, but not all the time do they have to use their arm talent. So like the Trey Lance thing, we were talking about it at the beginning of the, of the year with preseason, Trey Lance was firing everything. Like when he throws the ball, it's coming hot, and I feel like he's giving it all, uh, everything that he's got. Now, and once he reels it back a little bit, and he's a little bit quicker with his feet, and he's seeing coverages a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. Uh, play recognition, having a better understanding of the offense, he won't have to do that stuff because he'll anticipate where the routes are a little bit sooner, um, or he'll see them a little bit sooner. But for just to answer that question, I would say probably where Trey Lance is at up to about twenty-five years old. And then it might be stagnant for a while and then you'll start to see it decline a little bit, but we've seen plenty of guys carry huge arm strength for the duration of their careers in the NFL. And then it starts dropping off. you look at Tom Brady throwing the ball, Tom Brady still still has the ball popping off his hand. I wouldn't say that Tom Brady is a big, strong arm quarterback, but it's plenty obviously. And it's, it's been plenty and he still spins the hell out of the ball.
0: All right. We got, uh, do you when you watch Trey Lance and you watch him against Arizona or even just his games in the preseason, can you see moments where you feel like he's maybe processing the game right from a mental standpoint? Or maybe does it look like the game is too big for him, or does it look like nah this game isn't too big for him? He looks good from a mental standpoint.
3: Um,
2: I I think it I think he's doing all right. From what we saw, I think he's done all right with it so far. Um <clears throat> again, you know, and I'll touch touch on this with the offense and the way it was. Like I, in preseason, I thought he did all right. I think he looked good, and I think when the Niners' offense again, when we get the offense that we saw yesterday, it is it will make the quarterbacks look better. Again, from a game manager perspective, it's going to make the quarterbacks look better because it eliminates a lot of the other like. Basically, full scan, pure progression reads from one side of the field all the way to the backside. It's more West Coast ish, um, you know, quick game reads, quicker reads, one man reads, or one area reads um, that will help him out. And I think that's what they've done with Jimmy. And obviously, um, which was funny yesterday, you know, you watch the game, it's like the first three plays, they come out in shotgun. So maybe Shane Hans uh, took in a listen to the podcast and heard me call him out about the BS shotgun offense he was running, but I doubt it. Uh, but he comes out and shotgun yesterday for the first three plays and they get a completion and boom they go right under center so um but uh, you watch yesterday how many times you see um jimmy garoppolo throw across the middle like on the first or second read there might be a number two defender read where number two goes inside and you got a you got a finner out behind him or number two jumps outside boom, he's popping it in the middle right now so it's like it's it it helps build the confidence, but again, when you see these guys get back into the, um, you know, third and long type of downs, where those are, those are the key downs, third down, and they actually have to drop back, full scan of the field or whatever it may be. That's when your mental game gets a little bit more tested, or when protect guys are stepping up and showing exotic coverages, like the Bears played a lot of base zone defense yesterday. Um, they didn't. They didn't get on top of Jimmy Garoppolo a ton. You know, uh, I. I don't think. I'm mean, obviously I'm not a defensive coordinator, but I don't think that's the way to play Jimmy Garoppolo on defense. I think is when when you give him fits is when you're you're starting to bring pressure. You're showing a little exotic stuff and you're bringing pressure off the edge or, um, you know, dropping guys on the backside with zone blitzes and things like that. I think that's where you get Jimmy Garoppolo. The Bears didn't even do that yesterday and giving him, giving him opportunities to throw, um, you know, in the, like that two hole position or right across the middle and the three or right. whatever it may be. Um, and he's, if you do that with Jimmy, we've seen it over the years. If you do that with Jimmy and you let him do that, he will, he'll end up picking you apart because that's kind of Jimmy's game. And right. I think that it would help, that would help Trey Lance's development if you gave him obviously that. Um, but I think w- overall with Trey, I think he's an intelligent dude, and I think that's why the Niners went after him because I'm almost positive he's, he was one of the top-scoring quarterbacks when, or top um, quarterbacks from a mental perspective, and, I, and I'm not going to even say the wonderlick test or whatever it may be, but I think that Shanahan liked how he did come out um, and talk about football and knew football from a mental standpoint, but he was in a pro-style offense in college Um, and not with the, you know, the check with me stuff on the sidelines where the play's called and the quarterback looks to the sideline and then comes back and the coach kind of makes the calls for him. Um, Trey Lance wasn't necessarily doing that. It was more throwing into the fire, doing a pro-style offense at North Dakota State. So I think from that perspective, he was the most uh, well-prepared coming out of college.
0: All right, so um, I want to look into – Uh, some of the numbers, and we're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and his performance. 17 out of 28, 322 yards, uh, 11 and a half yards per attempt, which is really good. Uh, What kind of like... Do you feel like you saw a different version of Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday? Or was that more along of the same as what you kind of expect from him? I hope I'm right. I think...
2: No, I get it. I, I think that's what we saw yesterday is when that's what I was thinking about last night when uh after Jimmy or during the game and Jimmy's doing well and kind of he's a little bit dialed in, he didn't make a ton of mistakes, and I was just like, Well, talking about this tomorrow, here we go with a like 49ers quarterback carousel of emotions here. It's like where you're getting a good game out of Jimmy Garoppolo, then it's like, okay, well, let's keep starting Jimmy and then If he does crappy next week, okay, we'll start trading. It's going back and forth with everybody's emotions, you know. Um, I think that what he did yesterday is what you expect from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think with the offense, that's what you expect from the offense. Again, look at Mitchell. He was cooking yesterday a little bit. And, by the way, I sat him in fantasy, and I'm pissed off about it, and I lost because of it. Why'd you sit him? Croc, I don't know what's going on with my fantasy teams this year. They're just – Terrible. I was in the playoffs last year, and I am absolutely <laughs> terrible. I have two wins in one league and three in the other, so it's just not good right now. Yeah, maybe I'll start sending you my rosters at the beginning of the week, and
0: and yeah, you're you're you kind of trash. I'm around. not gonna lie. Yeah, but it's trash with uh underdog fantasy. You go in promo code Crocky guys. Go. <laughs> <laughs> go plug it. Right, we'll plug go, go get go <laughs> But Do no, um, thing. I noticed like certain things, right? And we'll look at Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll look at the final stats through for over 300 yards. And you look at some of the things that you look at well okay a screen play that went for 83 yards on a kind of a third and 20 which really was kind of like a throwaway play but resulted in a big play and I think that and then you had the big play we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball down the field and I had said I was going to
2: say you find I don't it. think that it was the one thing you got to see yeah. him throw the ball down the field and as soon as I saw I was like "Crocky's
0: going to be pumped about
2: this one he got to see right, Jimmy so Garoppolo throw it 50 I yards I
0: did but listen I am pumped but it also makes me upset because I see that throw, and I feel like he has that, right? But we talked about it where it's kind of this, like, lack of confidence with throwing the ball down the field. It's like, does it take a, a low-pressure situation for you to really push the ball down the field with confidence, right? Uh, you know, you look at that situation. Time was running down. Uh, they had no timeouts in the half. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know what, I'm just going to throw it out there and see what happens. But I would like him to have kind of more of that mindset, like just let it rip. Let it rip more, like give your guys more opportunities like that. And I feel like, I feel like a big part of that completion was because it was kind of a low pressure situation, which is kind of, you know, it almost was like, well, if he gets picked off, it's just a long punt and they kneel going into halftime. But it was an opportunity for him to put it out there and make a play. And he finally did it. I want to see more of that. Like just that mindset, that attitude. But I agree with you.
2: I think that, you know, not just on Jimmy's side, of actually doing those things, but on the play call side as well. And I've been saying it all year. Like I would love for Jimmy to come out first, play of the game and, and do some play action and throw the post over the top. Well, if I'm not mistaken, that route that he threw to Debo, that deep one was a post route, right? right. Over the top. Just let him, let him do it. And he came out, he did come out in the first drive. Um, and he threw that intermediate deep ball to Brandon Ayuk. It sailed it. It was over his head. You go back and look. He threw it super flat didn't really give him a chance overthrew it like looked like a rush throw instead of one of those balls where you know a lot of these other elite guys in the nfl might throw that ball a little bit more over the top open and let that receiver go get the ball jimmy kind of fired it it was a little bit more flat sailed it and then we got third down um so I, i just think that he's got to be given the opportunities to do it again that's you go back and look, let's go look how many deep balls have been completed, like 30 plus yards for Jimmy since he's been with the Niners. It's you could, you could probably count them on one hand, right? Obviously. Right. And so that was like the first one we've seen. And I don't even know how long, like that's how bad it is. I don't even know when the last time we've actually got a, a completion of that length. Um, yeah. You know, with where the ball with was that, in the air I'm for that air long. Yards. Yeah. 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 Where the ball was in the air for that long. So um I I, I hope the Kyle gives them more opportunity to do so. Obviously, you know, it was a nice pass, good completion, um and, and sets it up for them right at at halftime to kick a field goal. Um so yeah, I I, I don't I don't think that was bad. That wasn't what with what the game was, then that's what we were saying before, what the game was. I expect Jimmy to do what he did yesterday, but it was nice to see them actually attack downfield a little bit or try to a little bit more than they have in the past.
0: Yeah, you know, looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that like that game right there was one of those games where I think that's what Kyle Shanahan was expecting from Jimmy Garoppolo to start the season, right? When he goes into it and he's saying, hey, you know, it'd be really hard for a rookie to come in here and play better than Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like that was the thing. Like Jimmy has been in the system for over four years now. I, I know what to expect from him. You know, if you're a rookie coming in, I don't think you're going to be able to play above what Jimmy played like yesterday. Unfortunately, we have this quarterback controversy because Jimmy has not played that well all season. And I think, you know, we've been looking at it. I've been talking about like, man, what was the plan with what was the plan with Trey Lance? What was the plan? Like there was no plan. Like what's the plan? And I really think the plan was to just sit him (laughs) and let him develop. But the issue is like Jimmy. I plan on playing you all year. I plan on you being the guy, but you're having these really weird up and down moments and not playing well. It's been hard. It's, it's getting hard for me to back you, and I'm going to have to throw this rookie out before I feel like he's able to grasp exactly what it is that I want him to do. Oh, Dave, you get injured. I, you know, Of course you get injured. Now I have to throw together this offense that I feel is best for this rookie, even though that's not how I, I want to play him in theory. I, w- I want him to really be able to sit and develop and I think Jimmy, the game that we he had against the Bears, which it wasn't like amazing, but for him it was like okay, can we just can we get more of that? And it doesn't even have to be to the tune of three hundred yards, but right. can you just have games where you are consistently, you know, moving the sticks, you know, giving guys opportunities to make plays? I think the issue is we haven't we haven't really seen that a ton.
2: No, and I, I, I that's the that is the reason why there's a QB controversy is because one week you get a good, good play out of Jimmy, and the next week you're kind of getting this mediocre-ish play where he does just enough sometimes, but then he also does enough to make you question the things that he is doing. So that's what's I think if you put it if he puts it together week after week, we wouldn't even be having a conversation. About we Trey wouldn't
0: Lance be talking Trey about Trey Lance, right? We'd no. just be like, all right, Jimmy's the guy, great. Let's move forward and again we kind of go back to the Kansas City Chiefs Patrick Mahomes thing where that's you, exactly you, you what you hear that Patrick say. Mahomes is kind of like you heard the chatter of how well he was looking and things he was doing, but but uh Alex Smith was playing well enough to be like, nah, we're a playoff team with this guy. I think what, what the issue is with the 49ers was like, damn, we're not looking like a playoff team with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now you might as well play the rookie, and that and that's where things started getting weird, muddy. But I do you think if the 49ers continue to win? Uh, you know, and, and and Jimmy plays like that. You won't hear any issues about, you know, the quarterback position. And I think people will be more willing to be like, yeah, sit the rookie, doesn't have to play. Now, me, selfishly, I still, I want him to, like, in, I feel like for him to be as good as we need him to be for a playoff push, I think there has to be, like, he has to get some reps. I want him to play. I want him to get, you know, whatever weird stuff he's going to have to happen. Um, I saw somebody earlier ask. If he doesn't play this year, will the game speed be too fast for him next year, or is he gonna have to readjust and catch up? So that's something. But uh, real quick, Greg, someone had a question here. Uh, Greg, do you recall the toughest hit you took? Thanks for you both. Appreciate what you do. Thanks, appreciate it. Uh Billy, appreciate the contribution. Hardest hit you've ever taken.
2: There's there's definitely been a few hard ones. I, I know that there's one where I got uh I got hit from behind um looking downfield didn't feel backside pressure guy comes off the edge you know it's one of those ones where the helmet snaps back and then your head my head ended up hitting the turf and I think what hurt more was my head obviously hitting the turf when I got blindsided and my head hit the turf I got a concussion that game and I I remember getting up and my face mask was like completely sideways And I was looking towards the sideline, like doing this, looking towards the sideline. But I was on a knee looking, and everything on the sideline was like moving back and forth. And I stood up, and I'm looking for the signals, like trying to peek at the signals, and I can't read their hands at all. So I just took – after I stood up, I took a knee again. I'm like, it's this is over for me. Uh, I'm definitely not playing the rest of this game. And then there's a couple – Instant (laughs) CTE. Yeah, it was the turf that did it more than the actual hit, but I remember it not feeling so great. Um. And then obviously playing, we played against some good, good D tackles. Um, for example, you know, Sacramento City, Akeem Hicks uh, played against him twice. You know, and he's, he's just played for against the Bears. The Bears.
0: You know? I mean, just played for the uh, against the Niners on the Bears yesterday. But yeah, went to yes, Sacramento yeah. City.
2: Yeah. So we played against him twice, uh, once in the bowl game, once in the regular season, and. He was one of those guys. I think he was the number two, number one D tackle in the country when we were at junior college. And that first game where LSU was on the sidelines and everybody was was watching, um, and we smacked the hell out of him. But I remember he came out with that club. He had a broken arm or whatever at the time, and he had his arm all wrapped up. And just looking at him, I'm like, holy smokes, this dude is massive. Like, he was a, he was a force on the D line, and he was huge. Now, our O-line did pretty good with him, but every time – I got hit. Obviously, you're not looking at the D lineman when you're a quarterback. But every time he hit me, I knew exactly who it was because of the amount of force and weight behind every single hit, as compared to another D lineman. Which that's the only player I've ever played against. Like every time that dude hit me in the game, I knew instantly that it was him and not some other D lineman on our team. And the (laughs) D line was pretty big, but he—you could just feel the force. Like I could feel him just hit my body. And the way he hit me was way harder than anybody else had hit me um throughout the junior college career. So yeah, I I was gonna say Key Mix. I think he was like six five, like three ten or three fifteen when we played him. Uh and, and that dude was massive. But I would say him, and then we played him twice that year, but um ironically, we smacked
0: him both times. Now he didn't ask me what the hardest hits I took, but I took a couple of hard hits both Probably times. When during... I ran
2: you over in practice one of the times.
0: You never ran me over, but both times uh, <laughs> during spring ball are right, one in junior college, one in, in, uh, uh, at UAM and, and at the university, Vince Andrews, he caught this slant. It was during spring ball and we didn't have helmets on or pads or anything. And he caught this slant from, from you, you threw, you threw him the ball on a slant and he catches the ball. And like, you know, Vince, I mean, he was just like a big ball of muscle. Right? right, so he catches a slant, and he like swings his elbow like hella hard, and it caught me right on my eye socket. Do you remember this? <laughs> and like, no. so it caught me right on my eye socket, and I was like, I thought my eye, I thought my eye was coming out. Like, I thought I was gonna get up, and my eyeball was just gonna be hanging. Right, so I'm like, what the hell was that? Right, I get elbow hella hard, so I'm laid out on the ground, and I'm laid out, and I'm just like. But you know me, I'm like tough. You know what I'm saying? So I gotta crawl to the side. I can't just lay right there. Crawl still. to the side. So, so I crawl to the sideline. So I'm like, God damn! I knew I was just gonna get up, and my eye was gonna be hanging out. So I stand up, and I'm like, what? Like I'm jacked up, right? Like I'm jacked up. I'm like, what the hell? So I grabbed the fence, cause you know the fence right there. You got the parking yeah. right there on the practice field. So I grabbed the fence, and I'm just like. And I and I just kind of crawl, like I just kind of walk along the fence all the way to the locker room. Like I just walked to the locker room. I knew I was in hell of pain. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I lay out on the um in the locker room. They have that little bench. And I just lay out and I just start throwing up, like just ugh, ugh, like I'm just throwing up. And I'm like, what the hell? So I just sit, I'm like, all right, practice like was ending, and I'm like, all right, I gotta go home. So I hop you know, I had to I had to scraper on 22s. So I, so I walk over, I'm like, I can't look up. Like I can't look up like this. And, I um, so I like, I had to like hold my head down like that. It was hella weird. So I get in my car and I'm just like sitting there, sitting there. I'm like, I can't drive. I had to call my mom. My mom had to come get me. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I ended up going to the hospital. I got a concussion and I broke my uh, eye socket right here so I, I was do out of not practice even for like
2: remember that.
0: yeah I was out of practice for like 3 weeks all right um and then uh, Vince Vince uh,
2: for for people who don't know Vince was like a little Debo Samuel that's kind of how he was built Really was
0: yeah he was 59 but just like this ball of just muscle and then yeah. and was like the fastest person on the field like super explosive uh, and then in junior college spring ball I'm back returning punts You know me, I'm a fly guy. got one strap undone. You know how I get down, right? So I'm back there like, yeah, yeah, it's just spring ball. But it's a scrimmage, live scrimmage. The coach says it's live. But what he meant was, like, the returner's not live. Like, don't hit me. But the play is live, so, like, all the blocking, (laughs) the gunners, everything is live, you know what I'm saying? So the punter kicks this line drive, right, just a boom, just a line drive shot. And I'm like, damn, what the hell? So I'm running up to the ball, sprinting up, and I put my arms. You know, they tell you elbows in, and the ball like ricochets off my chest, but bounces off my hands. So now it's it's straight up. So I'm looking up, trying to track the ball in, and just like like I just I just feel the De-cleaned. hardest I've ever had, and I do a whole spin. My helmet flies off, and I look on the ground. And there's just hell of blood, just blood everywhere on the grass. Like there, everybody was like, what the hell? So I get up and I can't close my mouth. So I go over to the sideline and I'm talking to the trainer. And I'm like, I can't close my mouth. I think I'm not, cause I am not because i ain't wear mouthpiece. I ain't strap my chin strap. I never wear mouthpiece in my life. Never wear mouthpiece. All right. So I don't wear mouthpiece. I So I'm talking to the trainer and I'm like, I think I, uh, I think I cracked my, my tooth. I think my tooth is coming out. Are you able to pull my tooth out so I can get back on the field? This is a true story. And she's so she looks at it, Miss Shelly. She's looking at it. And she's like, Croc, um, your your tooth isn't coming out. And I'm like, Yeah, I can't, I can't close my mouth. She's like, you know, I think you broke your jaw. I'm like, nah, man, I didn't break my jaw. Man, they took me to get x-rays, jaw was broken in three places. Damn. And, yeah, so I had to, my jaw was wired shut. I missed the rest of spring ball. My jaw was wired shut for five weeks. I lost like 25 pounds. Like was like young stick, Kanye like, West over here was a stick figure, man. Like had to drink through a straw. Like and I had like this little gap in my tooth, and that was how I was able to drink stuff through my teeth. Like it was <laughs> terrible. And the worst part of having a broken jaw and teeth that had to get pulled out because I the cracked tooth in in half. The worst part about it was they, they pulled it out. I was on pain meds, but the pain meds wore off. Like, that was killing me. I couldn't do anything about it. And then yawning. Yawning was, like, oh. the worst. So if you can imagine while while your mouth is wired shut and you're trying to yawn, your, 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 your mouth is pulling this way, but the clamps are holding your mouth. Oh, man. Anytime I got tired, I just had to go to sleep. Because if I start yawning, it was just so painful. So I know everybody didn't uh, ask all that. But
2: <laughs> and, the, the, and, and, and for those that are wondering, this is the reason why DBs just try and hit everybody at their knees and below because they do not want contact, and that's typically how it's formed, <laughs> where they get cracked a couple times and they don't want anything about the contact from there on out.
0: But we got Gabriel. He says he was a DB. He was the smallest cornerback and got trucked. Uh, bad one practice, but still made the tackle. Listen, I tell people all the time people like, Oh, he got ran through. Oh my god, did the guy fall down? Like, did he make the tackle? That's all that matters. I don't care if I get ran over if I bring the guy guy down with me. Now, Modesto Junior College, I didn't get ran over, but uh, Mike Anderson, the running back from the you know, the Broncos with the Super Bowl, played for the Rams a couple years ago. Mike Anderson, he was one of the running backs at, um, at at uh laney laney cost yeah yeah the game when we were up 19 0 at halftime and, and you tricked it off and we lost the game but uh oh, i tricked was, it off yeah yep yep he he was one of the he was one of the running backs they had like three headed monster they were all going like d1 mm-hmm. he came through the hole and i don't know why but it was just like it was like the red sea party and big ass mike anderson is running through and i'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he kind of like freezes me and cuts and he just stiff arms me into the ground I'm like uh and it just all I could do is look up and just see him still running. That was like one of the most like <laughs> But, yeah, I,
2: tri- I tricked me. off the game. You're right. CJ Anderson.
0: <laughs> CJ Anderson. Anderson. Right. What do I call C. him. Mike Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, CJ Anderson. Anderson. That was his name. Yeah, CJ Anderson. The running back. Yep. Anyways, back to a little bit of 49 No, it, it, that's a
2: tough thing, though. Just to just to just to touch base on that. One one second. That is the thing. And people don't realize. And I'm a I'm a quarterback and I'm always gonna talk shit about defensive guys, whatever. Just just to hate, just to hate, right? but when people don't realize it's like when you when dudes pop around the course so typically you're reading reacting and if, if a guy busts one out the edge and you lose track for a second and you're stuck here and he's running at you you got a guy that's damn near running full speed versus somebody else that has one step maybe to make before they make that tackle yeah it's going to happen guys are going to get run over that's why they wrap up and tackle god forbid you get run over you're going to fall backwards but at least you made the damn tackle now if you're standing there with your feet still like this and you take on a hit, obviously, bad things are going to happen.
0: It's tough though when you see that when you kind of move and then you just see the Red Sea part and big ass CJ. I know you were sweating as soon me. as
2: you saw CJ Anderson running at you, you knew it was curtains for your ass,
0: too. I knew it was bad, I knew it was bad, <laughs> and I wasn't like this banger that I, I didn't really get aggressive until like my rookie year in the Arena Football League. And my secondary, everybody else was hella aggressive. And, and I, but I looked aggressive, right? You look, you see this guy, six one, six two 6'2", corner with the long dreads. And I just had this look about me that was like aggressive, but I really wasn't. So, but everybody else was. So we took on like this persona as being like the, the bad boys of the arena football league. And then we are like, I had the best secondary, all that stuff. But them being so tough and aggressive made me have to be like that. Cause I couldn't be the weak right. link. And from that standpoint, I started running that guy, just hitting guys, dipping them and really just using my size. Anyways, man, Greg, you've been more than uh, gracious with your time. Yep. I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank Absolutely, you, man. I,
2: I I hope that, you know, next week we have a, a good conversation. Hopefully we can get the same type of play out of, out of Jimmy Garoppolo and something that's that's consistent to build on um, just because the conversation going back and forth. If, if not, we're going to have that conversation going back and forth between him and Trey Lance. But, you know, I, overall, I think it would be good um, – you know, again, Quincy uh, Quincy Avery, Trey Lance's quarterback coach, has mentioned it You know, multiple times that he thought it would be a good idea for a rookie quarterback to be um, sitting in the He was uh, saying all hard, quarterbacks.
0: He was like all quarterbacks. All quarterbacks.
2: Sit. All rookie quarterbacks should have an opportunity to sit and watch just because they're not ready. The game is so much more advanced than what it is in college. And obviously most college offenses are different. Some guys are calling a change of protection. Some guys aren't. Some guys are – Able to audible plays. Some guys aren't. Um, Some just check with me on the sidelines. Like I said, if you're a coach on the sidelines, you you have a play call, they'll look to the sidelines like coaches. Coaches say, Yes, I like the play call. If not, no, they'll change it to set you up for something that might be more successful if it's executed. So, um, you know, I think it would be a good idea. Obviously, they'll still do the package stuff. We know that. But uh, it would be a good idea if, if Jimmy can play consistent from here on out for Trey to sit and learn. And then obviously going into next year, we'll see what happens. It would have been interesting to see if Jimmy, if Jimmy didn't necessarily play that great yesterday, you know, what would have happened? I don't think they would have traded him, but there was going to be, I bet there would have been a ton ton of rumors with the trade deadline uh, coming up. Who knows there probably still is going to be it's trade deadline tomorrow. Right.
0: Yeah. You got the Saints. Who We're going to
2: see somebody, somebody going to be, crazy about it on Twitter or somebody's going to be saying the Niners need to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. I think if they do that, it's, it's going to be, it'll be tough um, for the Niners, for, for Trey Lance's development, uh, in my honest opinion. And instead they should wait till after the season, given the yeah. fact that we, everybody thinks they're going to trade
0: him. If a team, if the Saints came calling and they're like, all right, cause they don't have the cap space, but say if the, if the Saints were like, Hey, we'll give you a first round pick this year and a second round next year um but you have to eat jimmy's salary but we'll trade for jimmy would you do it mm. I, it's tough
2: you know because obviously you want a first rounder back we don't have first rounders for the next few years um so you know i don't that's a tough question first and a second which would be nice a to first have.
0: round this year a second round the following year and right. you have to, and then but you have to Jimmy, eat. And if Jimmy,
2: if you got to eat the sour. You got to eat think, his salad don't, they don't have the I space. don't think it would. I don't think it would. I think that you know you're you're going to try. You're going to one. You have to eat that, so that's a waste. And I think that two, you're wasting an opportunity to continue to develop Trey because you'd have to throw him into the fire right now. And God forbid, <laughs> we don't know what would happen.
0: Who's to Stop being a Saints fan. Jimmy's not that bad. I think he's <laughs> good with Sean being the Saints man. I think Jimmy would be good with Sean Payton.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, who they have yesterday? You got Simeon now. So, Simeon's going to be the starter for Marinette. They might as well pay him the bag. Taysom Hill, they can pull some of Taysom Hill's uh, money that they thought they were going to give him and give it to Simeon, right? Is it Simeon that was there yesterday?
0: Yeah. Simeon. So, I don't
2: know. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. Uh, I don't think I would do it. I think you're going to hinder too much of the development of Trey Lance. And I think that. Um, it's it's too much to eat, because I know it's got to be like twenty something million dollars for the next couple of years. Thirty, you're going to touch on thirty million. Now, well,
0: you would eat the rest of this year's contract. This year's, which, I mean, we're halfway through, and so about yeah about yeah about fourteen million you'd eat.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so you're I kind of get. buying the. You?
0: You're getting rid of them, and you're buying. I, I don't know. I'd be intrigued, but it's tough. It's tough, uh, especially yeah. after a win. But then you'd only be able to get that that value because of how he recently played that last time you saw him. Uh, Last thing I want to say real quick before you get out of here. Uh, You you talked about it would be wise for guys to sit. And you look at the situation where everybody, and even you said it earlier, like, oh, the Jets, they're so trash. Those are trash. But you have a guy, Mike White, who comes in and throws for 400 yards and puts up 40 points or whatever it was, or 34 points, whatever. And the Jets beat the Cincinnati Bengals, who had kind of been hot and you know if zach wilson was playing i think we'd probably say that probably wouldn't have been the case right so i think those are the things that we're seeing right now where you know mike white just you know just even if we don't even know who the hell he is he is more of a veteran he's a little bit more prepared and he you know just the fact that he's been able to sit he was a little bit more ready for that moment even if his the upside of mike white might not be what zach wilson is but right now he's better than zach wilson and maybe it would have been beneficial for uh, Mike White to play over Zach Wilson, but probably be hard to justify because nobody knows who the hell he is. But uh, Greg, man, appreciate you com- coming on, bro.
2: Absolutely, Crock. I appreciate you.
0: All right, here we go. When we come back, I will be getting to you guys. Uh, we'll go live in the chat. I'll click the link. You guys will be able to go live, and we'll be right back in 30 seconds. All right, we are back with the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. Make sure you guys, if you haven't already, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Over 220 of you guys in this chat, click the chat down right now and hit that like button. Last time I checked, we had like 77 likes or something like that. Help people find this. Help the algorithm, all that good stuff. We do have a MILF Hunter uh, contribution right here. Jimmy throws a one-yard pass to Debo and goes 83 yards. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. (laughs) Jimmy played well yesterday. I don't want to downplay that. Uh, Was it all Jimmy? No, I think Debo. you know, obviously he did some things really good. And I think that at the end of the day, a screen going 83 yards or whatever, like if that's how you have to win with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think think outside of that, he did some other things very well. I thought he made some good throws over the middle, um, some good timely throws. So, yeah, you know, yeah, he didn't. You know, it was it was pretty much all Debo on, on that play, but I feel like there were other plays where uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo contributed to good play. All right, here we go. Appreciate the contribution. Uh, we'll, go, we'll stay on for about 10, 15 more minutes. Usually we're off in a couple minutes, but I didn't really get to get to you guys live. So if you want to come on, you want to call in, there's a link right now. We'll stay on for another 10 minutes or so. Uh, Jimmy played, okay, Jimmy stands go crazy. I think Jimmy, yeah, you know, he played well. Jimmy played well. I think Jimmy played well enough. Like, that's what I expect from Jimmy. So if we can get that version of Jimmy Garoppolo every week, then you won't hear me complain about Trey Lance not playing. Uh, the issue is it's been really up and down, and we haven't seen that version of him. But uh, that second half, I thought he played uh, very well. Yeah, most of the first half, too, just didn't lead to a lot of points. Got Gabriel coming on. All right, here we go. What's up, Gabriel? How you doing, man?
3: Hey, Croc. What's going on?
0: Oh man, just chilling, chilling, man. How 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 you feeling about the win yesterday?
3: Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I think Jimmy needs to go though, so we can get Trey going.
0: <laughs> um, so h- how long have you been in um on the show right now? We've been live for an hour and a half. How much of it have you caught?
3: Uh, I was probably listening for the past like thirty. 20 minutes.
0: Okay, so you I'm pretty sure you heard me kind of say, and I touched on it like why I think Kyle Shanahan has, you know, rode with Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of what his expectations are. I strongly believe that, and I've been the one that questioned what's the plan? Like, what has the plan been? Like, was it to develop Trey Lance? But I really think the plan all along was to sit Trey Lance and have Jimmy Garoppolo play like how he did yesterday, which you know, see in the chat wasn't amazing, but it was it was good. It was good enough to hold off Trey Lance. And I do feel like Kyle Shanahan, his goal was Jimmy, can you play like that? So I can sit this rookie and just let him develop at the pace that I want him to play at pace, the pace that I want him to develop at, and not rush the process of these things. What do you feel about that?
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I think Trey has learned enough though. Um, I think he's seen enough. Um, I think he get like Xavier and Howard for Jimmy.
0: Uh, I don't know.
3: <laughs> Be, because, because that cornerback from the Jaguars, Henderson, he was traded for like peanuts.
0: Yeah, but this is a different situation. You got Stefan Gilmore, who was hurt at the time. He's had the contract disputes, the issues, as has uh, Howard. But Howard, they did some kind of restructuring with Howard. Uh, they made him one of the higher-paid cornerbacks in the league. And Howard is much younger, too, than Stefan Gilmore, who's like 31, 32 years old, coming off of an injury. So it's a little what, bit different uh, s- scenarios.
3: What what if you package, like what if you ate some of the cap and then threw like a pick in there?
0: If you ate some of the cap and threw a pick. Now, I- again. Because
3: um, we need a cornerback. I think that's our weakest link.
0: Uh, I don't think the cornerback position is the weakest link. Matter of fact, I don't know what the weakest link is right now. <laughs> but I don't think it's the cornerback position. Now, if you want to say the cornerback position that has you know with the with the penalties then i'll give you that but just on a play in playout I, I don't think the 49ers secondary is just bad i think they were bad with penalties but like i've touched on already i feel like and i in i read a a tweet let me see if i still have the tweet up i do dbs will uh will celebrate anything and my guy says as the as db should any pass thrown without a pass interference call is grounds for celebration. And that's a guy who's not a 49er guy, but he's kind of speaking to the fact that the pass interferences are called at a ridiculous rate a around the league right now. And it's just a disadvantage for a cornerback. So, again, I don't think 49ers' cornerbacks are the issue. I think uh, they are okay. Uh, they're
3: okay. They're, they're okay, not, they're but
0: – They're not bad in the sense of, like, the rest of the league. I'd say that.
3: Yeah, for sure. All right, Crack. thanks for letting me call.
0: All right, appreciate you. Bye. Here we go, got my guy. Uh Doughboy, I know you came on late last time, man. What's good, man? How you doing?
4: I'm good, man. How you feeling, man?
0: I'm feeling good, much better after a win, man. It felt good to kind of get that monkey off your back. And, you know, after that four-game skid, see the 49ers start to, <laughs> you know, it, it was weird, man. Because heading into the game, I didn't know why the 49ers were losing. I couldn't pinpoint one reason, because I felt like every game they found different ways to lose. And uh, you know, just to see them come up with a victory that was good, and hopefully that momentum will keep going. You know, what, what do you think about what you saw from you know, really just the 49ers being able to pull it out? Jimmy Garoppolo, what kind of stood out to you?
4: Uh the first thing that really stood out to me was he was going ball. Like, I was so happy for him. Like almost made me for, for a second, I was thinking, like, damn, can Trey Lance can he do this? Like he had that one deep ball um, going to the first deep one that he threw to, 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 to Debo, that was smooth throw. Um he was just, he looked, he looked, he looked confident. He did, he looked like, you know, he knew what he was doing in that pocket, but now to be, that was an advocate to that. Um, All that the little Mac wasn't out there. That wasn't really sending him no real like exotic blitz packages. And um, I think you said this, you know, when he has time in the pocket, he'll he'll pick you apart. That's what we've seen, you know, in, in New England, his first few years with us. Um, I like the way Elijah Mitchell was running the ball. He was pretty smooth. Um,
0: yeah,
4: and that made me think as far as uh next year goes. You know, we got Jeff Wilson coming back, Jermichael Hasty, Trey and elijah and it's like okay what are we going to do with all these guys and kyle shannon he's already being you know finicky with how much playing time each person gets or you know they want to put the dog house on on people i just feel like you know i think kyle just just, he just goes with whatever he sees working he kind of like sticks with that and then right when he starts panicking i feel like that's when he starts you know, I mean, throwing bodies in and out, throwing bodies because he's not confident anymore in the scheme that he designed. When I mean, he really should maybe like stick with it, maybe. Um, the D line, in my opinion, they have just been subpar this this whole year. Like, they've been like a just a basic. They're not. Not they're not who we all been them up to be you know what I'm saying like they did what they always do you know what I mean I'm going to expect I'm going to expect a penalty here and there but for the most part there was there was there was it was all right I, I could tell that um the brother um Ryan's I can tell that he was trying to protect them more like because if you I noticed that there was dropping back more and playing off and um he was able to throw the, the ball down the field, get them first downs like that because I was playing that soft coverage. Uh, you know, Josh Norman got a pick. I told you that's my boy, man. I'm always right with Josh, man. <laughs> right or wrong, I, I that's, that's my boy since Carolina. So I was happy to see him get that little pick because uh that first touchdown on him, that was that was ugly. Yeah. The tight end got him. He didn't see yeah, that coming. It, um <laughs> uh IU, he did his thing, and what I wanted to say yesterday was the fact that, okay, everybody wants to say, you know, Ayuk may have lost a step. However, I feel like his hands are still there. All you got to do is just give him an opportunity to make a play on the ball. He might not have the person beat by two or three yards, but I remember – Shen, or, uh, uh uh I remember John Lynch saying that the reason why they drafted him over Lamb and um, the other boy at the time was right? They said he had the longest wingspan out of the receiver. Double boy, I, I, I'm gonna have to cut you off because like uh, yeah. your 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 uh,
0: your service is been like cutting in and out the whole time. Oh. yes my, my bad like uh i'll get you back on yeah it's been like just it was in and out so it was kind of hard to kind of piece together a little bit but um i'll try to get you back on here we go uh i see the chat still going crazy appreciate everybody's in here make sure you guys uh subscribe to the youtube channel if you're not already make sure you guys hit that like button i saw one thing over here that i wanted to see i know it was from k dot oh here we go This is a great question. Uh, Croc, do you think these Jimmy fans would be this patient for Trey if he was playing the same way as Jimmy, or do you think they would talk bad about him and say he's a bust? You know, one thing I've noticed, man, and and this is just how I feel. Fans will be emotional one way or another, and I don't think you can worry about that, right? Like, I think, you know, there are – you know, I try to come to kind of be that bridge – for everyone to kind of speak from the perspective of like, let's just, you know, chill out and bring kind of like a some, some, some level of calmness, but um, yeah, no, you, you, can't worry about what fans are saying. Like I, I stopped worrying about that. I understand that fans, their perspective is going to be like super emotional one way or the other. All right. Usually you have to look at it like from how you see fit. Right. So dot. Look at the situation. And this is what it is. This is what the situation is. At the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing his last year as a San Francisco 49er quarterback. This is his last year. He's on the team still because he's supposed to get us through this season so that they can develop Trey Lance the way that they sit fit, which is the right way in their opinion, whatever that is. At the end of the day, all rookies go through ups and downs. I put a question out there yesterday about Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, why is it that everybody says – Trey Lance needs to sit, Trey Lance needs to develop, but we don't say that about the other guys that have been really up and down as rookies. I do feel like, and I see some of the comments, that Trey Lance had a three interception game, like uh, Matt Jones, people would kill Trey Lance for it, right? Uh, But you can't worry about what the fans are saying. You just have to understand what, what, what are we expecting from Trey Lance? What's the trajectory of him moving forward? And, and that's it. And understand that this isn't going to be an overnight success type thing. There's going to be a process. Even with, like, Justin Fields, you know, it's been a process with him. His first game he got sacked nine times and, and had one net passing yard in the entire game. And then he had a good game against the Lions, but then he came back down and, you know, had some regular games against the 49ers. I thought he was a terrific playmaker. And you could see, like, you know what, there's some good things to build off of with Justin Fields, even though right now it's not necessarily resulting in wins. So you have to really be able to see the bigger picture with this and not be emotional with things uh, from one game to the next. I think with me and Jimmy Garoppolo, it has always been, well, Jimmy, you're, you're, you haven't played to the level in which we were expecting when you were named a starter and, and what that looked like and how we were expecting you to play throughout the season. That's been the issue. It wasn't a one-game thing for me. It was just like, damn. I put together, you know, I'm I'm looking over six games and kind of the situation. And I'm like, ah, uh, Jimmy's not the reason the 49ers are losing every week, but is he helping wins? And at the at that point, 49ers are two and four. It's like, well, all right, you know, this is a weird situation. But if Jimmy's winning games, you won't hear me say anything about Trey Lance. Let him develop organically. And again, even when he does play, there are going to be ups. There's going to be downs, as you see with all the other rookies. So, again, k can't worry about, you know, what the Jimmy fans or Trey stands or whatever it is, all that, it don't matter because they're going to flip flop from week to week. Anyways, you just have to look at the bigger picture and where do you see this team? Where do you see Trey Lance in a year, two years, three years, Where is he at in that time? That's just kind of my perspective on all that. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. We got uh one more caller on. We got our guy DJ Easy. Every time I hear your name, I, I want to say D- it's DJ Easy Dick. You know the guy from the Snoop Dogg song. But uh, go ahead, man. What's on your mind? Yo, what up, croc? What up, man? Yo, it's funny
1: because yeah, my name is DJ Easy because I am a DJ, and they call me like when I get when I do these specials when I get artists to do specials for me. <laughs> a lot of them say DJ Ease, DJ Ease. Uh, you know, okay, no, DJ, DJ Easy. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all good. Man. It's all good. now, nah, but, but, yo, man, um, now nah, I just wanted to call in and ask you a couple things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even worry about the win at the win yesterday. You know what I mean? I'm happy about the right. win, but I'm not even going to get hype off of that because I already saw what happened with Detroit, you know, with Philly. I feel like the win is similar to those to those wins. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to get too hype off this win. You know what I mean? Uh, once we start w- challenging these, over 500 clubs that's when you know what I mean I'll jump more on the back on the bandwagon but you know whatever for that I want to ask you about there's three things I wanted to ask you about um I was thinking about this Debo Samuels right yeah. what do you think about the comparison of Debo Samuels to Steve Smith because I was I looking at their their combine numbers, right? Because I was watching Debo, and I'm like, man, this dude remind me of somebody. And then Steve Smith just popped in my head just instantly. So I went back. I was looking at their combine numbers, and they both ran about a 4440, similar vertical leap. Like their 20 yard shuttles are identical, three cone, everything is basically identical. And I'm like, yo, this man reminds me of Steve Smith. Like, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I, I could see that, you know, where it's like, you know, just how he wins. And Steve Smith was a guy mm-hmm. where it's just like, man, just get the ball in his hands. Where he's outrunning guys okay. vertically. um, He was a punt returner when he first came into the league. Uh, you know, Steve Smith, he was a bully on the field. He was a big dog. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though he was, you know, he lacked size, he made up with that with like heart and physicality. So, yeah, I, I could see that with Debo Samuel. I don't think people can just pinpoint a way that he wins that's like traditional. But Mm -hmm. he wins regardless. And I think, you know, because of that, it is a lot like, you know, kind of like a Steve Smith where he's just – he's just a bulldog and he's a guy that just kind of refuses to lose. Now, is Debo as much of a bulldog as Steve Smith? Because Steve Smith was punching (laughs) teammates in the jaw and he was a mean, scrappy guy. Uh, You know, he's going to talk trash in the media, tell guys to ice up and all those Mm -hmm. type of things. So – um, he was. I think Steve Smith was wired a little different, and he just had to be wired like that because he was, you know, so small in stature. And again, coming into the league, he was really more just a permanent turner. But uh, Debo, yeah, uh, you know, bulldogs on the field don't win like this sexy way, but they exactly. win with like brute and strength. And I think, yeah, I can exactly. see that with both guys,
1: exactly. Um, and uh, two of the things I want to ask you about, yo, um. One thing is, I just saw that I didn't even realize this, but um, what's his name's out for the year on the Titans? Um,
0: yeah, Her- Henry.
1: Henry, what do you think about possibly seeing what's up with trading Trey Sermon to um the Titans?
0: Oh, that is something that would kind of salvage the situation, right? You know, get get mm-hmm. some type of compensation back. You know, I, exactly. I don't again, I don't know if they'll do that. Uh, I don't know what the issue is with Trey Sermon or if they'll give up on him this early, but it is is—it is curious to see, like, man, you know, Sermon's not getting touches. They're going with Jermichael Hasty uh, as the kind of change of pace back or reserve guy. Uh mm-hmm. They do get back Jeff Wilson. You know, exactly. he, he'll be back soon. So, I do think there's an opportunity. If you just feel like, you know what, his style, the way he runs doesn't fit what we want, maybe we can, you know, trade him and get a fifth round pick back or a sixth round pick or something like that it won't be what you gave up especially with you trading up to get him but i I I, you know, I I don't i don't think it'd happen but I, I could see a scenario where if if it did happen i would understand why
1: and i remember you um talking to um talking on locked 49ers you talking with um Brian Peacock and you guys were discussing like possible uh, targets for the um position and Cam Dansler was a person that um Peacock was bringing up um and you weren't too hot on him but you know, I've been watching a couple of Viking games lately, and you know, like I feel like, like he, you know, like he's been doing pretty well. And I checked the PFF scores, and, you know, like he's in the seventies. You know, what I mean, in terms of like, like his coverage grade and stuff like that. And I was wondering, like, do you still have the same thought process about Cam Danceler, or would you? Is that somebody you would revisit now?
0: Uh, he doesn't move the needle for me. You know, so, you know. I watched him last night. I watched him give up the game-winning touchdown to Dallas. He just got jumped <laughs> on by Amari Cooper. But I think he's he's fine, but I feel like we have fine cornerbacks. I think the issue is, like, how do we get, like, above, you know, type of, mm-hmm. of ability from guys. So I think from that standpoint, he doesn't move the needle for, for me with that. But I would like to see him, uh, you know, be able to – or I would like to see the 49ers really go out and challenge and attack that position by getting somebody that uh, has just pure higher upside. And to do that, you're going to have to get a guy second round, first round, kind of in that range. Not so much a guy that was, you know, Camp Dancler with his athletic profile, which wasn't necessarily great.
1: Mm-hmm. I got you. Hey, my bad man about that phone. Bro. Oh,
0: it's cool. I just muted Yeah, no, nah, you're good. You're yeah. good. Don't worry about it.
1: All right. Nah, man. That's all I got, man. Hey, thanks, Crop, bro.
0: I appreciate you calling in, bro. Right, yeah. Appreciate him calling in. Here we go. We got a contribution from our guy, Brad. Uh, anybody can look good with no pressure. How how bad do you think Jimmy will look uh, on the ground all game against Arizona? Uh, I think you got to take your wins when you can get them right. So I don't want to look at it like, oh, well, Jimmy did good because there was no pressure. And, you know, no club mag things like that probably contributed to him doing well. But at the end of the day, can we build on that? heading into Arizona. More than anything, I don't care who does it. I want to win in Arizona. I want the 49ers to beat them. Uh, You know, they don't have J.J. Watt. So that's something that, you know, works in the 49ers' advantage. You know, he's out for the year. Might not have Kyler Murray. So, you know, I do think this is the, the opportunity, the chance for the 49ers to really kind of, you know, put their foot down, beat Arizona. That would be great. When the game is supposed to win. And I, and I think, you know, even with the last caller, DJ Easy, when he came on and he was talking about it, he said, uh, you know, he's not going to get too hype because you know, 49ers they beat the Lions, they beat the Eagles, they beat the Bears, like you know, teams that aren't great. But I would say, at like, no matter how you do it right now, 49ers, you just got to win these games. And hopefully, at some point, what I'm hoping for is 49ers just start to stack those wins, start to stack those wins. And I don't care if it's Jimmy, I don't care if it's Trey, just keep winning, keep winning, stack those wins because I do think there's a potential to kind of make a playoff run. And at the end of the day, Sometimes we see it with these Super Bowl teams, teams that win it. Sometimes it's just the team that's hottest. For the, can the 49ers get hot? That's what we're looking for right now, man. Brad, I appreciate the contribution. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you think uh, – here we go. So you think y'all got a shot for the playoffs or should y'all tank it? Well, here's the thing, man. So I'm assuming you're not a 49ers fan. Uh 49ers have nothing to tank for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They don't have the first round picks for the next two years, so 49ers tanking does nothing for the 49ers. You have to play to go to the playoffs. And right now, again, the team that's the seventh seed is uh, the Carolina Panthers, and they have the same amount of losses as the 49ers. So the 49ers are in contention for the playoffs, but you, again, you got to stack, got to stack these wins. I I never felt like the 49ers are bad. It's just Stop finding ways to beat yourself. Now, again, they beat some teams that it's like, you should beat them. You should beat the Eagles. You should beat the Lions. You should. Life ain't won a game. You should beat uh, the Bears.
3: They had no head
0: coach. They losing. They didn't have Khalil Mack. You know, but got to string these wins together. You have to. You got to. Arizona, it sounds like they're not going to have their quarterback. You got to beat Arizona. They don't have J.J. Watt. You got to beat them. For now, they beat them, okay, we're in the mix. And I think the second half of the season for the 49ers isn't as strong. Can't beat yourself. Can't beat yourself, 49ers. I see a guy. Yeah. One game at a time. Exactly. One game at a time. That's got to be the recipe. Yeah, they beat themselves 100%. Can't do it. Can't beat yourself. Huge game next week, man. And obviously, we're going to be covering all that and more right here. So, again, if you haven't already, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right. Hit that like button. I have over 200 of my family in here. I appreciate all y'all. Most of y'all rock with me every morning when we come in here. Again, show starts at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm Central Time, 8.30, so 8.30 my time when I get back from dropping the kids off at school. I appreciate all y'all for rocking with me every single time. If you haven't already, listen to the last episode of Locked On 49ers with myself and my co-host Brian Peacock and also... Locked on NFL Draft. I'm the host of that show as well with my guy Ryan Tracy. He's also locked on Kansas City Chiefs. So appreciate everybody in here. Appreciate y'all rocking with me. I'll see y'all tomorrow morning. Peace. Intercepted. It is picked off by Eric Crocker over midfield.
1: He'll run it all the way into the end zone. Cross
2: Talk
0: TV podcast. Peace. Podcast.